Hello, Bethel's Rock. I am so glad to be with you again this week. Um, it's such an exciting time of the year as we prepare for so many things. Our kids going back to school and exciting things taking place. And in the midst of all of that excitement, we have to remember and pay attention to those who are really going through some difficult times in their life. People who need help. And uh, I want to go into a series of messages, which is just simply put, help me, help me. And I think there's a lot of people who are screaming, help me, help me, help me to have faith. Help me to walk through this thing. How do you have faith when you're going through difficult moments in your life? And there are a lot of people who want real help. They don't want religion. They don't want to be patronized. They don't want lip service. What they want is something real, something authentic. Um, they're, they're open to something different in their life, but they're not just open to a bunch of sayings and things that don't make a difference in their life. They want something that's real, that they can grab hold of, and that they experience life inside of themselves. So I want to talk about this idea of being people of faith. And I really believe that God wants us to be people of faith. And and, and faith, um, in, in Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, this is something God wants us to have. He wants us uh, uh, really to live a life that just trusts Him, that puts our faith in Him, that really believes that God is merciful, He's caring, He's faithful, and He's willing to do a work in our life. We get so preoccupied in this Christian life of whether or not we, we drink, smoke, chew, or date girls who do, you know, or whether we're behaving right. And we're, there's a bunch of Christians running around saying, I'm behaving the way I can, the best I can. And, and they have absolutely no faith. They don't live a life of faith. They avoid scenarios that would require them to live in faith. They make safe decisions that give them the best predetermined results that they can get. Meaning, the safe decisions they make never allow them to experience the incredible adventure that God has for them. You know, people who refuse to take risks. And when we operate in faith, we please God because it's an act that shows God we are throwing ourselves into his hands. You know, we live in a generation of opposition to faith. Uh, we live in an age of skepticism. We want, question, we want to question everything. A lot of people with a contrarian viewpoint, they really can't trust anything, anything people say anymore. We live in a generation that fosters doubt and unbelief. What God wants us to be is life-giving people. We must have faith that what we believe in will bring real life in the lives of people. We will not share our faith in Christ if we lose faith in its life-changing power. We need to be people that catch the vision for our city. Let's allow our brothers and sisters in other cities to focus on their cities. But we need to start focusing on the cities that God has entrusted to us in Farmington and Richfield and Apple Valley and Egan and Lakeville and Burnsville. God has entrusted to us cities in Rosemont and, and, and Northfield. 
And how can we give life to these cities if we're so focused on other cities? We need to worry about the speck in our eye before we take the beam out of someone else's eye. And I, I'm just really calling all of you that are listening to this, whatever city you are currently in right now, God is calling you to be a light and a life-giving vessel, temple of God, person of faith in your city, because faith is the key we put in God's hand to turn our dreams into reality. James says, you a fool, you're a fool if you think it's going to happen, if you don't believe it's going to happen. God's word is going to happen in your life. God spoke a word to me uh, that he would do something in our church many uh, months ago. And, and, and really what it was, was uh, we have a dad in our church and uh, I was just running one day and talking to the Lord and the Lord, I, I really heard the Lord speak to me and say, I want to pay that debt off in five years. And I'm like, wow, God, I'm all for that. But, but what it required was for me to actually start declaring that God was going to do it. It wasn't long ago, uh, but the Lord rebuked me because I was feeling like there was no way we were going to be able to do that. I was looking at the debt and I was, I was looking at how we could do that and looking where giving is at. And, and, uh, and, and, the, and God just spoke to me and he says, uh, you, need a, you need to have a right attitude about this. You need to give me the keys. And I heard this small voice because I felt like, Lord, I, 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 I believe you can do it. I think all of us can relate with that. We say, yeah, I, I believe you can do it, but I don't know how you're going to do it. And, and we tend to put more of our faith in the, I don't know how you're going to do it, than, Lord, I declare that you are going to do this. And I heard this small voice say to me, because he said, give me the keys. And I thought, Lord, I've given you the keys. I, I heard this small voice say, Give me your faith. You see, God is the one who smoke, spoke to me. I know that. Sometimes it feels like it's so difficult and Satan tries to kill our faith. He tries to steal the key. And what I discovered was I was putting my faith in Satan's ability to stop what God was saying. So we're going to pay off our debt in five years. I declare that today. I want every one of us to become people of faith. And in order to do that, your pastor has to get his act together. I hope that's okay that I'm human. But together, all of us, when the Lord speaks to us, we need to declare that word, stand on that word, and give God the key of our faith to believe it's going to take place. You know, in Mark 9, 17 through 24, it says, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by spirit that has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him, into, uh, into, uh, throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And this is what Jesus says, because he gets a little irritated with it. He says, Oh, unbelieving generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him to him. 
And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like that? You know, I, I, I think it's just kind of funny. This boy comes, I'm sure to that family, it wasn't funny seeing that. But, but this boy comes and, and as soon as the boy sees him, he falls to the ground, starts rolling around, foaming at the mouth. It'd be quite the scene. And the parents said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to try to kill him. And I want to tell you right now, most people who commit suicide don't want to commit suicide. That's just the reality. But there are demonic forces that literally are almost pushing them to that decision, almost making them do that decision. Listen, we need the protection of the blood of Jesus. It goes on and says, but if you can do anything, and, and this is the part, the man goes, if you could do anything, take pity on me and help us. I need help. I don't need patronizing statements. I don't need to know that it was my lack of faith. I don't need to know that for some reason there was no power. I just need help if you can. And Jesus said, listen, I... Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father said this statement, I do believe. Now, here's where I believe all of us need to be. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. You see, I believe more than anything that God wants us to be people of faith. And, and the reality is he gives us great reasons to be people of faith, people who believe in the impossible, things that are not possible in mankind. This, this message is for everyone who would say uh, this last statement. And I really want to dedicate, if you're in and you're, you're there and you say, I do believe, but help my unbelief. You know, I'm one of those who tried to trust in God, but nothing happened. I tried to do it God's way, but I get crickets. I must be doing something wrong. If you are that person and you want to be a person of faith, a person who lives with hope, declares the promises and a belief in the future, trust God to be a good and faithful God. There are seven lessons in faith that I believe will help in your unbelief. Not all of these will apply to you, I understand, but how, there are some that are absolutely going to stretch you. And so here are the lessons in faith I want to give you in Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Here's the definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for and what they were commanded to do. So be certain of what you can't see. How do you get there? Well, we look at the lives of of the people that we're going to talk about. They didn't know how they were going to get there, but God fulfilled what he said he was going to do in their life. And we can learn from the wisdom of these forerunners. So here's the first lesson, the number one lesson. I'm going to go through seven of them, so they're going to be pretty quick. The first lesson we're going to learn is from Abel's lesson, put God first. There are a lot of people uh, that fit God in their life. And, and that really is, is most people in our country. God is somewhere in the world. He's on the list. But if he's not at the top of your list, he isn't on your list. If he isn't on the top, 
he ain't there. He isn't Lord. Of, if he isn't Lord of all, he ain't Lord at all. He will only take one place in your life, and that is first place. Till you decide to put him in the first chair, you haven't taken the first step of faith, which is salvation. It's making Jesus the priority relationship in your life. Salvation is not joining a church. It is not praying a prayer. Salvation is not behaving with a Christ-like attitude. Salvation is not hanging out with Christians. Salvation is not voting for a political party. Salvation is when you reorder your list to reflect the fact that he is now the priority relationship in your life. That is being saved. Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he commended as a righteous man, was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. You know, they say Cain uh, tried to offer a better offering to God, but he wasn't able. <laughs> That's a pastor joke for you. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, it says, In the course of time, and that was the problem, in the course of time, when he got to it, even his leftovers, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor, favor on Abel and his offering. You see, Cain waited. When it was convenient for Cain to do it, he, he didn't bring God the best and he didn't make God the priority. When he got time and what was left over, he brought to God. He didn't honor God with his best. Abel brought the first to God before he had any others. He said, I'm going to take what I've been given first. And I'm going to bring it to God. Cain brought leftovers. Cain gave out, the, out of the overflow. Abe, Abel gave out of faith that God would provide the rest. And God provided to him the overflow. Priority matters. It takes a lot of faith to give God first of all we have, whether it's our tithe or the first of the week. You know, we worship on Sundays because it is the first day of the week. That's why we take the time to give it to the Lord and say, God, this is your day in my life. We communicate priority to God. Here's the second lesson. Enoch's lesson is he walked with God. He, he wasn't just a Sunday God to Enoch. In Hebrews uh, 11.5, it says, by faith, Enoch, was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken away, he was commended as one who pleased God. God liked him so much that he didn't even die. He, he just stepped in and said, Enoch, I'm bringing you up to heaven. I enjoy heaven around so much. The closer you get to God, the more your faith is going to grow in him. When you spend time with your spouse... Your faith is going to increase as you mature in that relationship. We serve an incredible, faithful, merciful God. He will not let you down. And even when you make it difficult for him, he will not let you down. I am fully persuaded of that. You know, um, we had a dog. We have a dog. His name is Murphy. And, and we got him when he was a little pup. And the thing about Murphy is, uh, when we let him outside, he'd just take off running. And, 
and uh, and he wouldn't listen and we'd yell his name Murphy come back and he'd look at us and then just take off running so we took a shock collar bought a shock collar and put it on him and and uh, sure enough he went out he had no idea what was about to hit him my wife is sitting there and he yelled Murphy come back and he looked at her and in in rebellion he took off going well my wife hit the shock on the remote control and Murphy rolled over a number of times and squealed this like a high squeal and immediately came back to the house. Little did we know that Heather had turned it up to the point where it would it would shock a great Dane. So he didn't want to go outside after that. You know, Galatians 5 says, keep in step with the spirit. Wow. To be able to hear the voice of God, respond to the word of God, and out of the desire of our own heart, we don't resist it. I think a lot of people have a hard time with God's word because we don't really want to do it. Enoch was at a person of faith at the point where he realized that when I'm in step with God's word, I prosper in a way I will never prosper when I'm out of step with the spirit. In Genesis 5.24, it says, Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Wow, what an incredible thing for us to, to pursue that should drive us to walk with God. Here's the lesson number three. It's Noah's lesson. Act on God's word. Do it. When God says something, we just do it. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah was warned about things not yet seen in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Can you imagine this? Noah, go build an ark. Uh, what's an ark? It's a boat. Okay, what's a boat? Just build it, Noah. Okay, here are the dimensions. Just do what I'm do uh, doing and telling you to do. And, and he did it. And God goes, um, he goes to God, God, why am I building this? Well, it's going to rain. Well, what is rain? See, Noah just responded to God's word. Even though he didn't understand what rain was, he didn't know what an ark was, he didn't know what any what was going, he didn't know what was happening. They he had nothing in his life to even draw comparison to. And yet when he heard from God, he just did what God was asking him to do. How many times have you had your children do something? And they keep asking questions why, and you're like, just do it because I told you so. You see, even inside of us, there's this thing that God is saying, just do it. You will understand after it's done. It reminds me of the karate kid. Wax on, wax off. He said, just do it. He wanted to see if he would obey, even if he didn't understand why. We cannot move on God's word if we're not familiar with his voice. And that's important. James 2.22 says, You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Faith listens to the nudge and then takes the step. God is nudging you. Maybe you should be water baptized or, or the, the, that nudge is saying, you need to be a part of a small group or maybe you should serve or go on a missions trip and you're, you're sensing that nudge and yet you're wanting to understand it all. You want to understand, you heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, 
and all of that stuff. And you want to understand it. And there's this part of us in this generation that wants to understand it all. And what it's doing is robbing you of the experience and the adventure of seeing the surprise of what God has for you. Here is the fourth lesson. It's Abraham's lesson. And it's a lesson that I can tell you that I don't really love. But it is part of being a person of faith. And that is to wait patiently. God is notoriously patient. He's like my grandmother at Christmas. She always wanted to do one more thing before we opened the gifts. It was like she didn't want to do it and she made all of us suffer so that she could do all of the things she wanted to get done before we opened gifts. You know, 2 Peter says, God is not slow as we understand slowness, but he is patient. God is, not, is committed to not giving us instant gratification. God is interested in your character. And so you have to learn to be patient. You have to learn to wait. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So hang in there. It may be a little longer, but don't give up. Hebrews 10 says, For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So don't give up. It's going to happen. If God told you it's going to take place, it's going to take place. I believe God's going to do what he said in my life. I believe he's going to do what he said in your life. We, but we can't give up. We can't lose faith. We can't shrink back. Here's the fifth lesson. Moses' lesson. Don't trust your feelings. Hebrews 11, 23 through 27 says, By faith Moses when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He didn't follow the pleasures of this world because he knew they were passing away. He didn't fear the rejection of those he would face. The, the greatest enemy of your faith can and will be your feelings. Your feelings will deceive you. We live by principle, not pressure. And when, when we stand on what we believe, we will see the fulfillment of that. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. I'm not going on what I see, but I'm going to go on what I believe. I'm not even going to go on experiences that I not I can't necessarily understand. I'm going to go on what the Word of God says in my life. Here's lesson six, Joshua's lesson. Thank God in advance. I think a lot of times we want to wait until God does something and then we thank Him about it. But if you're going to be a grateful person and a person who gives thanks, we do it when we don't even see it yet. We do it because we, we are people of faith and we know God's already working it out. And so we're going to we're going to rejoice about what God's going to do when everyone else is trying to see if it's really going to happen. Hebrews 11.30. I mean, that's really the difference between people of faith and those who don't have faith. People of faith, when they ask God for a miracle, they begin to rejoice in what God's going to do because they already believe it. They already stand in the fact that it's done. Where those say, I'll wait and see, and if God does it, then I'll thank him. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after people had marched around them for seven days. And they went out and they began to worship God. 
you know, they didn't bring out the soldiers to battle Jericho. They brought out the worshipers and the purest, and really the purest expression of faith is worship. That is why you want to be a worshiper and you want to go to as many worship services as you can. Your faith will grow when you start singing about the goodness of God. It will change your attitude. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Declare with gratitude everything you believe God's going to do. It takes faith to thank God for something before it happens. Now, here's the seventh, the fifth, or the seventh and final lesson. God always does the right thing. There are times that it didn't work out. And I know this is the part where you're like, oh, there's the clincher. There, there it is. You know, what about the times where it doesn't happen? There are times when what we thought was right didn't happen. And I don't understand. And uh, we sit there and we're like, you know, God, why doesn't he always do it? Why do, why do we always think God's inconsistent when we're told that God is very consistent? I can't answer every question you might have about it, but this much I can tell you. God always does the right thing. Hebrews 11.39 says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had promised. And then God goes and explains this. God had, it says God had planned something better. God had planned something better. God will do the best thing. One day we're going to see everything clearly in heaven. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to go into heaven. And I think a lot of people are going to see Jesus and they're going to go, Whoa! Oh, that's why that happened. Oh, now it makes sense. Now I understand. See, we have to trust God always works it all out for the best. You know, in Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, The plan of mine is not what you would work out, neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is what, this is what makes him God. How big is the God that you are serving in your life? How big is the God that you're putting your faith in? There are things we don't know about God, and that's what makes me love him even more. We don't have to have an answer for everything. We just need to know this one answer, and that's God has all the answers. He's got it figured out. He's written this story. You're, you aren't going to figure it all out. Somewhere in your heart, you know this is true. I know you're sitting there, and you're looking at your life, and Man, you've been running it the way you've wanted to run it. You've been doing like you you know there's God and you believe in God that he's there. But you really haven't reprioritized to make him the Lord of your life, the God of your life. Like you haven't made him God in your life. You know he's there and you believe like he's there and and he should help me when I need help, but I should do it all on my own the way I want to do it. And you've been doing it that way and it isn't working. And somewhere in your heart, you, you've, you've literally know that 
that you need to come back to God. You've heard so many arguments that have tried to drown out the glimmer of faith in your heart. And today, while you were listening to this, you felt the sense that you needed to come back to the heart of God. How about responding to that still small voice in your heart? Why not decide today? Why not take the first step of faith and make God number one in your life? Listen, I don't have cute little sayings and Twitter phrases and Instagram posts or TikTok uh, uh, productions to try to convince you of this. But I do have this, that even as you're listening to this, that the Holy Spirit would come and speak to you and affirm what you're hearing inside your heart, that this is right, this is authentic, this is real, and this could change everything in your life. This can move the needle in your life. I want to pray for you because I believe right now God's about to do something in your life that's going to radically transform uh, the whole outlay of your life, the relationships in your life, your health, every part of who you are and what makes you, makes you who you are. Father, right now, you know the person who's listening. And, and Lord, your word says that uh, we should pray that people would have ears to hear and eyes to see so that the heart can perceive. So I pray that even as uh, that person who's watching right now, even as Mary is watching right now, even as Connor is watching right now, even as, as John is watching right now, and Tony, and, and Lord God, Imlin, and, and, and Emmy, and Lord God, so many people are watching. Lord, I pray that your spirit would go and it would just affirm that this is the right decision. And Father, that you would reveal to them that you're not just the God who created everything, but you're the lover of their soul, that you died on the cross to give them life and life abundantly. And where the enemy, Satan, has tried to kill, steal, and destroy and succeeded in their life, I pray, Lord, in that desert land of their heart, you would begin to rebirth uh, life in them, that they would begin to see this something greater than anything they've ever experienced. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to call the number below on this screen or email Pastor Alex that talk about the decision you've made to really go after God and to share any testimonies you may have about what God is doing in your life. We are in this together. We are walking together. And I sure appreciate the privilege of being able to be part of your life and being in your home and with you today. God bless you and call us or email us.